Let's pray. Father, as we walk through the word, teach us. We really want to learn. Fill this place with enjoyment, humor, but don't let laughter and fun and leisure talk take away from the weightiness that can come from your Bible right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So to put us in context, well, first to start, just looking at your guys' faces right now, I don't know how your days went. I don't know how your week's been. But I can guarantee this, that every one of us in here is either in the middle of something very hard right now. Like right now, you're in the middle of something very hard, like very difficult, very chaotic or stormy, if you want to use those kind of words. You're in a storm right now. I don't know what it is, but you probably, you may be in one. Or you have just gotten out of one. You just got through the valley. You just kind of, maybe you're the person tonight. You just kind of got out of something intense and you're in an, a little of an exhale moment or you're on your way to one. You just don't know what it's going to be, right? Now, I know that to be true because of life experience, but not merely that, but because the Bible tells us. See, in James chapter one, he says, count it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Tough times is inevitable. John 16, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. Not you might. It's a guarantee, but he says, then take heart because I've overcome it. At this particular point in the journey for the church, they are just coming out of a really heavy storm. Remember chapter 19? Chapter 19 was intense. It was a war. It, it really was nuts now before we kind of blaze right into chapter 20 you really got to feel the mood and try to imagine what the atmosphere might have been like for the churches after that riot in ephesus and you want to try to actually maybe imagine what you might have felt like like I'm imagining, I mean, the whole city was in uproar for two hours yelling, great is Artemis, right? And two of your brothers got dragged into that. Persecute, like someone could have died. In the past, people have died. And so you want to almost sit in the pew with these brothers and sisters and really feel, I, I'm imagining that a lot of them are struggling with doubt. I think a lot of them are afraid still. I mean, the clerk showed up and calmed the, the riot, but you wake up the next day, it doesn't just go away. Some of you who are in storms right now, or maybe even just coming out of something that's very difficult, if you're honest, with, if you're honest you, you might still be feeling those lingering effects, right? A big point that I wanted to kind of put, begin us in our study is, is first to let you know that if you're in the middle of a storm right now, if you're in the middle of something very difficult, I hope tonight, tonight's text will encourage you in that it's going to come to pass and that you're not alone. You're not the only one hurting. You're not the only one in pain. You're not the only one suffering right now. You're not the only one freaking out or struggling even with your faith. And then my hope also is for you to be encouraged tonight in realizing that we're in this together. 
this like like this Christian life, this journey, because it's a journey. Guys, all of us at one point in time, this will be done. We're gonna breathe our last and we'll be pow sooner than later. We do not know when that time will happen. But on this side of grace, until that moment really happens, we're on a, a journey and it's a dangerous one. It's a journey that's filled with ups and downs and storms and calm. And right when you thought you were feeling all right, then something else happens. Like that's just the nature of life. And in this journey, this dangerous journey, I guarantee this, that everyone in this room, all of us, regardless of who we are and what we're coming from and what we went through today, there's going to be a point in time where you're going to, you're going to need some strength. You're going to feel very weak. There's going to be moments in life where you're going to feel weak beyond moving forward. And all of us here, all of us in this walk of faith, all of us in Christ, we're going to need some encouragement. You're going to need to be the person to encourage, and you're going to need to be the one that is going to do the encouraging. So when we walk through this, I hope and hope that these things, wherever you guys are at, whatever it is you're walking through, really does bring strength to your heart. So let's walk through this. Verse 1. So he says, after the uproar. Okay? We know what uproar he's talking about. He's describing chapter 19. The riot that broke out in the city. The God Artemis versus Christ the Lord. After the uproar, after that tumult, that clamor, ceased. Stopped. It's a idea in Psalm 46, 9 through 10. He makes wars cease. And then verse 10, that famous verse, be still, know that he's God. That's why I told you, I, and I can tell you with confidence, anyone here who's going through something hard, that time will cease. It's just temporary. I wonder if there were believers in that heat of the moment of the riot in Ephesus that thought, is this ever going to stop? No, but the Lord in his good sovereignty makes the wars cease. It's the same Greek word used in Luke 8.24 when the disciples were on the boat and they were in the middle of a storm and they're like, hey, go wake Jesus up. And they asked him to wake up and he's like, master, master, we're, we're perishing. We're going to die. And then Jesus woke up and he rebuked the winds and the raging waves. And then it says they ceased. Whatever storm you are really in tonight, and I really want to empathize with you because knowing what goes on in the life of our church and individuals, it's like, bro, a lot of us are going through some hard stuff, you know, like just understand this, that King Jesus has the ability to make that war cease, to make that storm stop. And praise be to God that he did for the church in this particular moment in our text. Then this is what happened. When the uproar sees Paul, big word I want us to see. We'll go slow, chew on this. What did he do? Paul sent. Sent for who? The disciples. He sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. I want you to see that Paul sent for them. After such a nut storm that he himself was included, I mean, if anyone was taking the most cracks, it was this guy. But you would think after an uproar and after something like that, 
If I was Paul, I'd have took a vacation. <laughs> this is, I think I've earned my, the kinds and I'm ready to take a break. I'm going to shut my phone off. You know, but what does Paul do? He sends for the disciples to encourage them. See, I want us to see this. First point, Paul took the initiative to strengthen the saints. That's a big thing. Don't miss that. Paul took the initiative. He went to them. He made the phone call. He sent the text. He sent the email. He took the first step. He knew him and the bros and the sisters are hurting. This is a tough time in the life of the church. We're all bust up. I know you shook just like me. He's probably looking around and he's seeing some sisters and brothers, just a little bit of, a little bit of instability. So what does this brother do? He takes the initiative. I'm going to go strengthen somebody. Here's the Greek word for encourage. It's such a beautiful word. Para kaleo. Para with kaleo. I always think of kaleo when, I mean, kaleo's not here today, but I think of kaleo when I think of this Greek word. But para kaleo, kaleo means to call. Call to one side. Para with. I'm going to call you to come to be with me. That's this word. In a moment when Paul could have ran and hid or isolated himself. Don't you think it's interesting that when life gets hard, that's our instinct? I'm just going to shrivel up and be alone. <laughs> I don't talk to nobody. I don't see nobody. But what does Paul do? He, no, he parakaleos. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, it says, take care, brothers. Meaning you take the initiative to take care of each other, brothers. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. We're all prone to fall away from the living God. And it's going to take some brothers and sisters to take the initiative to encourage each other in such a way where we don't fall. Interesting. Yeah. Verse 13, it says, but exhort one another. And then this is tell, tells us how often every day, every day, as long as it's called today, you woke up, you looked at your calendar. It was a new day. That tells me someone's going to need encouragement. I'm going to need encouragement. As long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I love that Paul took the initiative to call, to send, to ask, to get there. Because now think and imagine, just try to put it into the reality of what's going on. I'm thinking the church in Ephesus and the brothers and sisters, they're just tripping right now. I'm imagining something like, man, shucks, should I have really let go of Artemis? You know, the whole, all your, you see all your friends in the city chanting, great is Artemis, carrying their little idols. That's all they knew. I'm wondering if some were like, man, maybe I shouldn't have burnt all my books. Remember that in chapter 19? They just forsook all their idolatry, their whole old life. You ever been there, Christian? You started walking with the Lord and you were just so zealous to let it all go and follow Christ because you're totally convinced of the truth, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And that faith is real. But if you're honest, honest, and even if you're not a new believer, you may, you may have been walking with the Lord for decades, that faith oftentimes is mingled with doubt. I mean, think of it. Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, it says, all the disciples came, they gathered, they worshiped him, and then right after it says, some doubted. I love that. That's just so real and honest. Right? Mark chapter 9, 
Remember the father who brought his son that wanted to be, you know, Jesus, can you, you know, take this evil spirit out of my son? We know you can. Um, and Jesus says, are you sure you know? Because these things can happen if you believe. And then the father cries out. He says, Jesus, I do believe. This is Mark chapter 9. Just help me overcome my unbelief. It's very possible to at many points in our journey have faith but mustard seed kind like a weak faith like i believe but i still doubt you've been there i think the church right now is there they just came out of a storm the world yelling at them like pretty much saying jesus is not lord artemis is lord and that's all these people these christians have known and I'm imagining Paul surveying the church and just feeling the temperature. And he's like, all right, I think I need to get on my horse and encourage someone. So he sends for them. And he encourages them. He strengthens their heart before he digs out. It's a beautiful thing. Paul's example is... Is beautiful. And I just want us to know Paul wasn't always Mr. Big Encourager. I mean, we know him. We've been studying his life. Where is where is this guy coming from? He used to murder Christians. And then when he first became a believer, who was it that needed to encourage Paul? Ah, you remember? Starts with the B, ends with the Barnabas. You got it, Barnabas, right? God raised up Barnabas. And interesting, his name means son of encouragement. Remember all the other disciples, they didn't want to, Paul's, or Saul is here. And then it said, Barnabas took Saul and brought him in. Barnabas took the initiative to encourage this young believer whose background and baggage of a life is so nuts that it's almost impossible to believe that God could save such a man. That's what the church ought to be filled with. Sons and daughters of encouragement who we look at each other and in each other's weakness and struggling, regardless of what our background is, we come alongside and we parakaleo and we say, keep on, brother. It ain't done. Jesus is that good. And I love it because Paul, it really is. He's merely imitating his Lord, Jesus. Jesus Christ is the ultimate initiator. Who came from heaven to earth? Who took on flesh? We love because he first, loved us. Jesus made the first move. He didn't say, come and get me. He's like, I'm coming to get you. I love that about Christ. I love that about the heart of Christ. Is he sees a weak person. He sees a downcast person. He sees a broken and contrite heart. And the psalmist says, I don't despise it. What's the opposite of despise? What's the opposite of hatred? Love. I love it. I pursue it. I want you. That's why in the Psalms, when he says, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you do not despise. That Hebrew word contrite or broken, it's a shattered. It's like pottery that fell and it's shattered in millions of pieces. Nobody thinks, I'll go fix it. Everyone thinks, get the, the, the broom in the dustpan. That thing is piled. God says, give it to me. Because there's nothing I can do to you. And that type of spirit that Christ has, I think, is just kind of flowing out of Paul. It's beautiful. 
It's beautiful. Let's keep going. Verse two. So Paul took the initiative to strengthen the saints. Verse two. And when he had gone through these regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece and then he spent three months there. Okay, we're going to chew, chew, chew on this to, to get where, where I believe this is trying to, Luke is trying to show us here. Here's the point. Or first when it says, gone through. Rewind the tape. Look at Acts 19, verse 21. It says, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia to Achaia and to Jerusalem. And after having been there, I got to go to, or I must also see Rome. And he continues on his course to walk through this life. Now, Luke already tells us where Paul's destination was. He wanted to get to Jerusalem and then to Rome. Okay, so we see that already. On his, we kind of see his travel plan. And he's resolved in the spirit, like, I'm going to Jerusalem. And he's not trying to get back there just to go see the family. And he's not trying to go to Rome just to see Rome. All right. We might not get it out of the Acts 20 passage. But when you look at Paul's letters, it tells us why he wants to get to Jerusalem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I'll just tell it to you. You can write it down, turn there on your own time. But he says this. Okay, concerning the collection for the saints, I'm directing the churches in Galatia. That's the areas he's passing through that you also are to on the first day of every week, that's Sunday, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. So chip in and store up a gift. So that verse three, when I arrive, I'm going to send those who are accredited by the letter to carry the gift to Jerusalem. So put together a gift. I'm going to come through. If you want to have a bro, hop in and bring that gift. And, and that's how we get the big group of the guys later. Like we're going to go take this gift and they're going to accompany me and we're going to pass through Macedonia. And, and then he says stuff like this. It's so cool. He's like, maybe I'll sp spend some time with you. I hope to. Maybe I'll cruise through the winter or whatnot. But and anyway, he's saying, I want you to put together a gift. I'm going to come through. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to bring it to Jerusalem. Why? Because right now Jerusalem's hurting. So this is what we, we know that Paul is trying to strengthen the saints. The first thing, this point has two points in it. But Paul took the time to strengthen the saints, first thing, with financial support. And I think that's beautiful. It's on this trip, he writes the second letter to Corinth, to Corinth, 2 Corinthians, and he uses two chapters, chapters 8 and 9, you look at that on your time, to encourage them and commend them to chip in on this love offering. And that's where we get those famous passages, you know, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, and all that kind of stuff. The context of it is a, it's a send relief. It's a gift to a hurting church. And this is, a, we have an opportunity, Gentile churches, it can come from us. What I want us to see, though, and I think what the authors want us to see is Paul, his encouragement to believers isn't just spiritual. <laughs> it's not just, I'm praying for you. That's important. We're going to get to that. But it's not just spiritual. It's physical. I mean, think about it. Like if, 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 you're, if you're walking through your day and like you're super hungry, what's more encouraging? If someone says, oh, you look hungry. I hope you get something to eat. Or someone shows up, gives you a plate lunch. They show up with the plate lunch smelling all awesome. And your stomach is just like, hey, man, you know, this, you're getting strengthened. It's like encouraging, right? It's, it's a beautiful thing. Paul is not just this ultra spiritual man. I mean, he is ultra spiritual, but we see that true spirituality is shown in a life. Christianity is not just about talking. 
it's about living. It's about actually caring to the point where we care about each other's practical needs. You know, one of the things I do in my planner is like, I just have this one little calm column that just throughout my week, I'm not like looking for people and figuring out how they're, but like, I'll note things. Like if I notice sometimes one of the kids in our church, they're running around and they, they, if I think they don't have slippers that match or whatever, I just write it down just out of curiosity. Like, oh, so-and-so might need some slippers, you know? Or if I notice somebody is just, they look a little bit like they're hurting in a certain particular area, you know, maybe they need some help financially, or maybe they just need someone to talk to. I note those things. I mean, those are physical things, but I think that's one of the ways we can really encourage each other, strengthen each other. Paul strengthened the saints. He took the time. This was a big project. It wasn't just a little send an email and hey, just Venmo me the money. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll bring it there. I'll send it. Brada had to like travel and we'll read on while people are hunting him. This was a dangerous adventure. And he was willing to put his life on the line just to see that the brothers in Jerusalem would get some help. That's crazy. And I love it. So that's that phrase, when he had gone through those regions, this gives a little bit more meat as to like why he's going through those regions. It's not just random. It's like, I'm going to try to help the church that's hurting financially. They don't have food on the table. Jerusalem's in a famine right now. I have some brothers and sisters who can't feed their children right now. So I love in our church, we have a, a benevolence offering. And, and, and I love how generous the members are in our church. They've been giving to the benevolence offering. And all through COVID, when we came to find that certain families were suffering, certain members had a hardship and they couldn't quite, we took that benevolence fund and said, this is from the Lord. Be blessed. He's providing. And we were so stoked to write checks and just give away funds. That was all the work of God through the church, taking the time to strengthen each other financially. It's a beautiful thing. Then it says, and he'd given them much encouragement. Okay, we're going to break this down a bit. I love, we, we, parakaleo is in there again, that Greek word to strengthen or to call to one side, but the, the give much. Okay, in the English, it just says give much. But here it isn't in the original. Altos lagos pulas. Altos is um, with. Pulas is much. Lagos is. Does that sound familiar? Ah. Parakaleo, encouraged. Altos, with. Pulas, much. Lagos. He encouraged them with much word. Much scripture. So Paul took the time to strengthen the saints through financial support, but he took the time to strengthen the saints, second point, with scripture. Much scripture. Why would that encourage the saints? Because nothing encourages the believer like the word of God. If they're really a believer. I mean, it's our faith. Feed my faith with the word. I mean, and this is where Tani brought up an observation. I wonder what he said. Like, what made Paul's text is so encouraging? 
did he just put like choke emojis and they were just super encouraged? You know, like what about it? What about the content of what Paul was doing was so strengthening to the soul? It was, he was encouraging them with the word of God. Hence all those letters. He wrote second Corinthians on this journey. In those three months, he wrote the book of Romans, the most epic epistle you'll ever read of Paul. So he's, He's writing to, if I, I, used to, I was thinking, yo, if Paul had a cell phone, because oh, that's Romans, the book of Romans is a pretty big text message. <laughs> that is a big, beefy text message. But you know what's awesome about this is he was texting, but he was also in person. And he was also like, he, like the, the, the force of Paul's encouragement. I mean, it was just like, boom. But he was doing it with scripture. Acts 20, 20, we're going to see this later next week. He says, verse 20, I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public from house to house. I mean, actually, before we get to that, we're going to see a little bit earlier. Chapter 20 is famous for the kid that falls asleep and dies out of the window, Eutychus. That's why a lot of people get perked up at Acts chapter 20. They think of that story. But, but the, the kid fell asleep. And fell three stories down to his death. But during what? What was Paul doing? Bible study. <laughs> and it says he went till midnight. So this much encouragement, we're starting to really see. It was, it was a lot of the word. A lot of the word. Because these saints did need much encouragement. Remember, they're at a breaking point. I really do think that a lot of the conversations might have went like, you know, they're sitting there with Paul and like, Paul, I can't believe it. I, I was in the crowd yelling, great as Artemis. Like, I just burnt my books the other week. And now I was just like, oh, Jesus. And then the very next day, I'm like, oh, great as Artemis. Like, Paul, I, I'm a flake, man. I'm so wishy-washy, Paul. I'm all over the place. One week I'm this, one week I'm that. I'm imagining some of them being like, Paul, I don't know, man. I really am doubting. I, I'm having doubts. I mean, my family's threatening me. They're telling me if I don't turn from this Jesus thing, I'm not part of the family anymore. You got to really put it into perspective. I'm imagining these are the type of conversations. I'm, I'm thinking there's some guys who are like, I think I'm just going to go back to Judaism. I didn't just go do all the law stuff again, man. It was a lot easier. Um, and so then I'm trying to think and wrestle. I'm like, man, what? How did Paul encourage them? And I think it sounded a lot like this. Things like if you read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. So put some thought into it. Figure out how to encourage each other. Not neglecting to meet together. So show up. Be there. As is the habit of some. Means a lot easier to not show. And it's a habit that can build up pretty quick. But here's the word, same Greek word, encourage. Parakaleo. Encourage one another all the more. Well, what does that look like? Well, read the verses right before. Hebrews 10, 19 to 23. Brothers, we have confidence to enter the most holy places by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened the door for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest who's over us, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. 
23, hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering. He's encouraging them in the faith. He's saying, no, no, it's, yes, yes, you did scream great as Artemis for two hours. I hear you. And I think what you're doing is, this is what you need to do. You're confessing your sins. Because, brother, you're confessing it and faithful. When you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you. You know, Jesus, his, his blood is atonement, died for that one. When you were screaming for two hours, your little relapse, you going plunging back into your old addictions and your old practices and you, brother, slipping away, even though you knew the right thing you, you're supposed to do, but, but you couldn't do it. Sound like Romans 7, right? And then he says, praise be to God for Jesus Christ. He died for you. Brother, you're not going to... You're not accepted to God because of your performance. You're saved by grace through faith plus nothing. So repent, turn. Yes, you screwed up last week, but that same grace that saved you from all the sin you did last week, that's the same grace that's going to train you to say, no, not anymore. I'm over it. That's Titus chapters one and two. The grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness. I'm imagining the conversations were flowing like that. And he's working with brother to brother, house to house, it says, strengthening them, assuring them that God loves you. And there's nothing that you could do to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. How much of our souls need to hear that this evening? How much of our brothers and sisters that you know, perhaps right now, they're in a tough spot tonight. They're in a dark, dark place. What are you going to do? How are you going to encourage them? What words are you going to use? May I commend to you, use the word of God. And do it in total love and patience and kindness. Paul went to work, man. Paul took the time to strengthen the saints financially, physically, and spiritually with Scripture. And I want us to know this. What was fueling Paul to live so encouraging? It was the love of Christ. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. Just a noisy gong, clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I can understand all mysteries and knowledge and have faith to move mountains, have not love, I'm nothing. I can give away all I have, deliver my body to be burned, and, but if I have not love, nothing. Paul could do all the adventures of journeying to get a collection, to get it to Jerusalem, do all the preaching and teaching and talking and counseling and sitting and all that stuff. He could spend himself, but he's the one who wrote, if I ain't got love, I'm just making noise. Love, love, love. 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says the love of Christ, Paul writing, controls us. It compels us. It motivates us. It moves us. Paul's heart to strengthen the saints, to invest his time, his energy, his sweat, his blood, all of it, guts and everything, if not love. This tonight, what we do week in and week out, all the prayer times, all the small groups, all the phone calls, all the times you guys get together and you're crying with each other, hurting with each other, rejoicing with each other, walking through every bit and inch of difficulty. What's going to keep us stepping? Love. 
the first and greatest commandment. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor. The royal law is love. Paul is possessed by love. And this is why we read of things like this in the text. Did Jesus not tell Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep? If you love me, what's fueling Paul to feed the sheep is love. Let's not forget that. I had this, I was just meditating on this and thinking like, man, why is the Bible so big? <laughs> There's so many pictures. I mean, no, no, not so many pictures. There's so many words and so little pictures, just the little maps at the back. Tough one for a guy like me. I started to really think and like, I think the weightiness, the denseness, the bigness of the Bible is a reflection of how much God really loves us. He didn't give you and I a little pamphlet. He gave us a big book. And Paul is not encouraging them with much Bible teaching merely because it's a big book, but it's because it's a, it's a big love. There's just a lot of love coming from God. I praise the Lord that he gave us 66 dense, big, glorious, rich, scripture there's nothing like an encouraging word from the lord through one another let's finish the text and we'll be paul so and when a plot was made against him by the jews he was about to set sail for syria okay and decided to return through macedonia so he's about to hop on the boat because that's the quickest way to get him to jerusalem to drop off the gift but then in God's providence and goodness, he caught wind of the rumor. It would have been really easy for them to get him on this boat. It's just a little ship going and packed with a bunch of Jews. And it would have been easy to just kind of kill him, throw him overboard, and nobody would have known nothing. But nope, wisdom, right? Decided to return and go through Macedonia. And then Luke gives us the list. I'm not going to try to read all the names, but you, there's all the names that we read already. Hannah did a glorious job. <laughs> But you see all these guys. And we know that they're probably representing the churches and the funds that were, were given. But I want you to see this, that they accompanied him. Paul threw out the invite, but he didn't force these guys to go with him. I just want you to see that. He didn't drag them on the boat with him. He said, you better come. You better show up. If you don't show up, you're not your friend anymore. He wasn't like, oh, look at all the stuff I've done for you guys. Come on. I, I preached to you Jesus. I was working tents and all that kind of stuff. So you didn't need to pay me. Come on. He didn't guilt them into coming. They accompanied him. And notice this in a time when his life is being threatened. I want you to just think how encouraging you think that must have been for Paul. I know for me, that was super encouraging. If I'm being hunted, just having one buddy with me is great. <laughs> now you got about 10. I want us to see that Paul was mutually encouraged by the saints. If you sow encouragement, you're going to reap it. Please see that principle in the Bible. Paul, we see Paul in his journeys, and obviously we see an obvious, like, man, this guy really poured his life out. He was like the super-duper encourager. But, but please see this, that he reaps encouragement as well. God provides again and again. It goes back and forth. 
I want to read this verse. It's in Romans, Romans 1. And he wrote this during this time. Romans chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. It says, I long to see you, to impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. So he wants to get to Jerusalem and to Rome. And same heart, I can't wait to see you, man. I just want to come show up and I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you. And then he says this, verse 12, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I believe the full effect of Christian encouragement is when it's going round and round. It's not just lopsided. Paul is the only one encouraging. And I love this about Paul. Paul is not the kind of guy where he's just going to encourage, encourage. And if someone says, hey, Paul, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Well, you need prayer for anything? Nah, I'm good, bro. That's not Paul. Paul is like, really? Actually, in his letters, he says, can you pray for me? He welcomes the encouragement. He's the kind of guy like, oh, you can pray for me? Yes, because I need it. Please, please do that. You see how he's down to give, but he's very down to receive. And I wonder, I think some of us might struggle with that. We don't mind being the servant. But if God wants to serve us through a brother or sister, we just, I don't know, why, why do we do that? Is that confident in yourself? Is it a pride thing? What, what's going on? You know, for a good chunk of my earlier part of my life, and, if, and, I, and I noticed this about my character, not, not just in church, but even in like how I did sports, how I did work. And I, I, I was a very individual kind of guy. Like I'm the kind of guy, like if I got a project and the other guys are not going to do it, I was, I'm going to do it. I don't need you. I, 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 had, I had that kind of bent to me. So to work as a team was very difficult for me. God needed to transform my heart and mind. I was very, I'll just do it. And I realized that the very heart and core of that train of thought was it's because it's about me, my glory. And it was me thinking that I'm self-sufficient. I can stand on my own. God needed to break me, humble me, and show me that it's not about me. And that actually, Chris, you do need help. <laughs> I'm the source of your strength, Chris, but the means in which I'm going to strengthen you is going to be through the saints, other brothers and sisters around you. I'm going to use them. And I needed to actually have the faith to receive it. I realized, I realized that about my complex. And so when I came into the church and I started to, God save me, redeem me, restore me, I started to get involved. I was just more bent towards like, yeah, give it to me. I'll do everything. I said yes to everything. Serve, 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 serve. But then I had this glitch of like not receiving, not, not being willing to, and God needed to do a big work. And now I welcome it. I am the most needy person. Like when, when, when someone texts me or whatever, can I help? Can I, oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. You're so encouraging. That you and I may be mutually encouraged. But before we're going to close, because really the message should be plain. I mean, there is a saint near you, a brother and sister that you know that is hurting and is weak and is going to need encouragement. And maybe you had them on your mind already and you're thinking about them. But before you do anything, before you run out of there and start encouraging someone, 
let me encourage you to do this. Romans chapter one, if you're still there, I'm going to rewind a little bit to verse eight and then read through. Before you go out and start encouraging, do this. Verse eight, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. First, thank the Lord and praise God that you have someone to encourage. Thank God for the person that you're about to go encourage before you go off and do it. Just thank God for them. Praise God for them. Because of your faith, proclaim in the world, God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Without ceasing, I mention you in always in my prayers. Then pray for them. Praise God for them. Then pray for them. And then you tie Hebrews there. Then, then plan. Consider how. Do more of that first before you just kind of go out and try to encourage people. Let your encouragement be super quality. You know? Ask the Lord Jesus for some awesome ideas and how to strengthen each other this week. And then go and encourage. I was just thinking like, how awesome would it be as, just imagine a community of people. Everyone's walking through the same world, same tough world, difficult, dark world. And everyone's getting bruises and busts up. Everyone's in danger. Everyone's, you know. But imagine now a community that has been so touched by God and his love and his strength. Christ is the source, but now everyone in that community, like let's say this is the community, right? <laughs> and this person's thinking really hard how to encourage these people. And that person's thinking really hard how to encourage that person. And then it's just fireworks, every, going back and forth, like do, 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 do. Everyone's considering and praying and asking the Lord for wisdom and how to really strengthen this brother, whether it's going to, sometimes it'll be a text, sometimes it won't. Sometimes it's like, you know what, I got to go see them in person, whatever it is, however it is. But imagine everyone just boom, 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 boom. Is there going to be anybody in that community? Everyone in that community is going to hurt at some point, but is there going to be anyone in that community that's going to be weak and needy for a long period of time? No way. That's why I think one of the beautiful things in the beginning of Acts, when the church first started, it says there was no needy persons among them. Galatians says, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The problem is, in our weakness, we still lack the heart, the love to want to encourage each other. Encouraging each other is very against our nature and very hard because we're just in our sinful state. We're selfish. We're self-absorbed. We'll say things to ourselves. Oh, I don't have the time to encourage people like that. I mean, Paul could have said that, right? <laughs> I mean, look at his life. He's being hunted. So as we close, as the thoughts are kind of turning in your heart and your mind, Bring yourself straight back to the cross, straight back to Christ. Look at who he is and what he's done and the love that drove him to come from heaven to earth, to rub shoulders with broken people like us. Live, die, raise, call, welcome you into his family.
stare long enough at that cross until God strengthens your soul so much so that you can't help but I got to encourage somebody. That's when the psalmist says, my cup overflows. I hope that was a word of encouragement to you tonight. And I hope that this kind of just snowballs into the rest of our week as we interact with all sorts of people who need a word of encouragement. Let's pray. God, give us wisdom now. Give us strength as we encourage one another. May the love of Christ always be what moves and motivates us to do just that. As the evening fades and as we fellowship and hang and talk story, um, even Spirit of God, work within us. Help us to just be keen to listen to each other, to care enough about each other, to want to know how one another is doing and working in and through us now to strengthen each other until we finally meet you, until this journey is finally over. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right on.